everybody, welcome back again to yet another episode of You Haven't Seen That Podcast. I'm Isaac. I'm Alva. And this is the show where we cover films on that growing list of movies that has people asking us the question, You, you haven't, haven't seen, seen that? that? And this one, maybe people don't talk about a lot, but I was so excited that we had it on our list and that it, it landed on our little name generator wheel thing. 1989's Vampire's Kiss, Nicolas Cage. And all his weird freaking glory. It's it's one of the most Nicolas Cage movies yet. He yeah. le- he it, he had said in uh, in uh, GQ's 2018, uh, it's one of his favorite films that he did alongside with Face Off. He even said he took some stuff that he learned from this movie and put it into Face Off. Mm. And Face Off is another Face movie, a good movie, yeah, <laughs> full eccentric Cage. You can't go wrong with it. If you guys haven't seen this movie, again, it's not one of those movies because I looked at Nicolas Cage's filmography and there is so much. I can't even begin to go through the whole list, but I will tell you as far as at this point in on June 2nd, 1989, when this movie was dropped, he had already done Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, Peggy Sue Got Married, and Valley Girl. Valley Girl was like one of the first things that kind of uh, put his name Okay. In the whole whatever the setting oh, the map. is. Yeah, there you go. Bingo. That's why I have you here for. I can't do this by myself. No, you'll be like, hey, it's one of those words. <laughs> what did you know about this? I, this this one, we're finally actually covering a movie where both of us haven't seen this movie. What did you know about this movie going in? That there's a character with my name. Close. But, I knew you were going to say that. Close. But that's it. <laughs> yeah, the character's name is Alva, A-L-V-A, which yeah. people always misprint which is why when you go to starbucks or whatever your name is now it's either heather usually heather heather we went to jersey mike's today what's your name heather, heather. <laughs> uh but i still use some of the things that he says to the character alva to you no always and you fucking hate it and i love it i'm the nicholas cage i'm the peter lowe Ugh. of this movie a couple little like pre-production fun facts this movie inspired christian bale's character patrick bateman in a 2000s American Psycho. Oh. If you love American Psycho, take a minute, take 90 minutes, I think mm-hmm. it is, uh, to watch this movie. Have fun with it. Because it, it's a dark comedy, and you can see that inspiration that's pulled from there. Just kind of executed way better in American Psycho. And how many shirts of American Psycho do you have? <laughs> oh, I have two of them now, huh? Yep. Yeah, I needed a, a Vampire's Kiss shirt. Do they even sell them? People, people probably—I don't know. I'm gonna—I'm gonna look for one now. People probably recognize certain stills that got turned into memes. Yeah, and I didn't know it, but I was kind of familiar with this movie a little bit. From what I know, he's eccentric as hell. Mm-hmm. Before even seeing this movie, I didn't know that there was a character named Alva. What I thought that the the movie was about is that he got bit by a vampire and then just goes completely nuts. Yeah, and then you watch this movie and you see that it's weirder than that. Mm-hmm. And if you if you watch it a second time and you actually are not necessarily like analyzing it because, you know, like we still enjoy these movies and then we kind of watch them a second time around to give that full analysis. When you watch it again and you break it down, you're like, oh, it's a little bit of a kind of a tragedy. Although this this character that he plays, Peter Lowe, has zero redeeming qualities to him. None. Zero. Spoiler alert. The thing that sort of makes him snap is he wants love at every little corner and he in my opinion i think he self-sabotages 
and then it turns into a mental break. So it's done in in such a way, thanks to Nick Cage, that turns this movie into a black comedy or a dark comedy. But you and I were kind of going back and forth on this. We were, yes. So I was like, no, 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 it's a dark comedy. And you're like, no, it's a black comedy. And I was like, I haven't heard of the term black comedy outside of like a Medea movie. Uh, Doing all the research, that was all I was seeing. It's it's a black comedy. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay. So upon further research, it looks like we're both right and both wrong. Uh, it turns out that there's no like actual defined meaning of either term. One of the things that I found out said that a, a black comedy it depends on the subject matter, but it's also known as a dark comedy. Mm. So it kind of goes, you know, both sides. But one of the things that it usually says is that uh, black comedies subject matter is namely death. Ah, you know, mm. so who gives a shit? Because you you were looking it up, you're like, no, it's black comedy. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's a dark comedy. Yeah, but it was our argument for the day. <laughs> the one. Either way, though, there's some moments where people like us get to enjoy it in all of our darkness. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're a little deranged, but it's okay. <laughs> Are we that level deranged? No, no, no. Never that level. I'm kind of growing his hair out. Although I, was it last night I thought that a bug that was flying around wasn't really there, but it actually was. <laughs> as long as you don't bleach your hair either. Does it look like he had a little streaks? I wonder if that's just his natural hair color. We always have a fascination with hair, and like his hair does have its own, plays its own character later on. Mm-hmm. Do you want to get into it? Let's do this. All right. So again, the film was released June 2nd, 1989, starring Nicolas Cage, Maria Conchita Alonso, directed Conchita. by Robert Bierman, and Jennifer Beals as Rachel the Vampire. Coming to a theater near you. (laughs) (laughs) I think we caught something from everybody. It's going around. (laughs) Bear with me, people. Um, This movie had a budget of two million. Yeah. And do you want to do you want to jump the gun and and say what it made afterwards? Yes. Oh my god! It made seven hundred twenty-seven thousand one hundred thirty-one dollars. And how many cents? (laughs) That was so exact. I love it. That would be considered a flop, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't yeah. do too good. It, not at all. I don't even know if it's like considered a cult classic, but I think people in with our uh, mental problems enjoy this movie as well. I think people who love Nicolas Cage, because I, he is a guilty pleasure. I, I think it in some way it is considered a cult classic. Okay. I was doing a little bit of research and it does fall under that category, but that is all up to you as well. If you want to make it your own cult classic or not. I say do it. It's a weird movie. I don't I don't know if it'd be like, I wouldn't say it's like a great movie. If you look at the uh, the critic score, which on this episode, I'm going to have you guessing the Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm-hmm. And uh, people go back and forth on it. So I, I, yeah, I'm interested to see what your take is on it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. So let's jump into it. Okay. So the movie opens up on the New York City skyline. And of course, it's 1989. So you see... The Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. And I always forget that the Twin Towers used to be there. Yeah. Uh, I unfortunately forgot, even though we're supposed to never forget. I, I remember uh, mentioning to you, I was like, oh, look, the towers. And every time it, it pops up, there's a couple of other like cityscape moments. And every time it pops up, I, I go, oh, God, you know, you just kind of get jogged with memories. Because mm-hmm. we were, we were, grade, yeah, we were yeah. alive. Like we have nieces and, and nephews. They're like, what was 9-11? You're like, oh, my God, you weren't even a glint in your father's eye. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This is one of those movies that has a 
bit of a longer opening credit than I want to. A tad bit. Because the, the music like that I just played a second ago, it opens with that and it's sort of like lazy and sleepy. But I think that it paints New York as kind of one of the characters, so to speak. A of, little grim. A lot grim. A lot smoggy is what I wrote down. Because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, maybe that's just the way that you could shoot it at the time. Um, and then later on in the movie, like when it's sh- shown again, it's like crisper. And you hear Nicolas Cage talking about, I think, one of his one-night stands, and it shows that he's at his psychiatrist's office, Dr. Glazier. Boy, oh boy. Shoulder pads. This is the 80s. This is the end of the 80s. Big shoulder pads. Everyone. With the, uh, with the bright pink lipstick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shoulder pads, bright pink lipstick. The hair is like just when you take them off rollers. It punches you in the, in the face with uh, a reminder that this is an 80s film. So he's talking about one of his one night stands and you're kind of getting bits and pieces of it. And in essence, he had a girl over one of his many endeavors and kind of hints, hints at her to like get the hell out. Mm -hmm. So immediately you get the picture that he sucks, that he's a douche. Yeah. Not only that, but he has this bad accent, this affect. What is his accent? Okay. So with our little fun fact looking into it, it turns out it wasn't Nicolas Cage trying to like put on an accent. It's his character putting on an accent to make himself seem smarter. Because he just sounded like Donald Trump half the time. Yeah. You know, you know, I just, I totally get out. I don't know if he, as he was filming this, maybe Donald Trump passed by and he had a conversation with him. And that's the thing that's stuck in his head. I wouldn't be surprised. It, it's, it sounds very close to Donald Trump, but... When you hear him put that accent on, because he loses it at, at other moments mm-hmm. when he's a little bit more like distressed. But when he's in front of someone that he's trying to woo and trying to impress, that's why he has that accent on, which makes him sound super douchey, extremely eccentric. I mean, that is an understatement saying that the character he's playing is eccentric. Nicolas Cage is eccentric. And this character, it just goes, it's, it's like one of the most over the top performances I've ever seen anybody do, let alone Nick, Nick Cage. People, you got to watch this movie. I, I had so much fun watching this. His movies are never boring. Like, they never, like, make me lose my interest. I wouldn't say that as a superlative or as a definite, because he has a lot of movies. I think he has, like, 111 movies. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them have been good. A lot of them just to pay the bills. Now, I've seen a couple where I'm like, ooh, I like Nick Cage, but what a garbage movie. Mm. But the ones that aren't garbage movies, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, not the beast! But along with his bad accent, Cage portrays his character as like being disconnected. There's never a moment where he's in the moment. Mm-hmm. He's always disconnected. He's always blaming things on, on other people. Nothing is ever his fault. Never. And his brain never wants it to be his fault. So much so that he inevitably... Never Again, makes ownership for it. Spoiler alert, he has a fucking mental snap. Ooh, yes. So now we're at an 80s club. One of his nights of like scoring chicks. Yeah. And you meet Jackie. She is gorgeous. Uh, Jackie's played by Casey or Cassie Lemons. And we're familiar with her when we did um, Silence of the Lamb. She's Clary Starling's friend in her academy. Oh, okay. Mm. She's stunning. Like this guy... Do you think he was attractive? No. Even if he wasn't talking? 
Mm-mm. How do you think he got game? Just charming? He didn't seem charming. I don't know. I think he might go for the girls that are a little bit more intoxicated, so they don't, you know, they have those True. beer goggles on. I think he just went for the girls who were a little more on the just want to take somebody home mm-hmm. or desperate, more desperate. Do you get, okay, so from watching whatever scenes that Jackie's in, do you get that from her? A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Not a lot. Just, um, well, as the movie progresses and she does pop up again, mm-hmm. it kind of shows that she is a little bit on the desperate because okay. of the chances that he gave him. Yeah, true. Yeah, oh, yeah, I want to cover that when we get to it. And so they walk off, but they're drunk as hell. And she waves down a taxi, but he's like, no, we'll walk. There's a taxi. Taxi! You are not in need of service, my lady. This is my kingdom. And my palace is but two blocks from here. Be off! God damn you fucking mind! Cocksuckers! Be off! This is the taxi driver off. So this guy has no regard for anyone's time, energy, or emotions. And they walk to his place. It's such a weird part, and I don't know if it added to it or if it could have been taken out, is the kid watching through the banister. Oh, my God. Why is that kid up at that time? Good point. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. Man, I never thought about that. And they're making out, taking their clothes off, and, uh, you know, nothing against the itty bitties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you were like, she's flat. Yeah. Hater. I'm not a hater. I'm just jealous. <laughs> of her from having Nick Cage on her? No. <laughs> that she can find clothing that fit her. <laughs> and as they're making out, this bat flies in. All right, now just relax. Shoot! 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 Now, I don't know if they intended the bat to look comically big and fake yeah you could see the string i don't know if that was intentional at all but i wonder if it could have been done in any other way where you're like holy shit they're fighting off a bat you know they got they got interrupted coitus interruptus by bat right but but instead it looked fucking dumb as shit (laughs) so she runs out half naked dude she is naked no she's in her panties oh that's right yeah that's not complete nudity okay certain strip clubs not so i hear Sure, sure, shoe. <laughs> and that kid is still watching through oh the banister. Oh my god! Yeah, and then finally his mom drags him. Oh off. no! And then she tries to tell him like, "Oh, there's a bat," and she goes, "Never mind." Yeah, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to fight it off, but he, he then exits in the most dramatic turn away. Ugh. There's so many parts in this movie that I like. I wish there was a, this was a visual podcast, then I could put like video clips up because. I can't describe it. I don't have the words to describe his acting choices. They were over the top, overly dramatic. They were silly, eccentric. Question, because we already put the cart before the horse. Do you think that bat was real? No. You don't think the bat was real? See, I think that it was real. Hmm. And I think that Jackie saw it. And I think him fighting off the bat planted that seed in his head and allowed this vampire creation to get conjured up? Uh, I don't think it was real because the way that she was acting and then the way that, like, they... If that was a real bat, I'd be freaked out. I'd be like, I'm gonna go home. Like, I mean, she was freaked out. It's mm-hmm. fun. 
So we're on op- opposing sides of yeah. if it was real or fake. So they take off because the night's young, as are they in 1989. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> this sick desperation in his laugh. Like he's just saying the ha 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 ha. <laughs> there were moments like that that I just entirely didn't expect, and then I was uh, I was crying laughing. The ha 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 ha's was one of the moments. Mm-hmm. And now it's the next morning, and we're at his job. Apparently, he's a literary agent. Correct. What is that? It's uh, they help out uh, authors with distribution, tours, anything really on the business side of it. Okay, I got it. Then you meet Alva. Hi, I'm right here. <laughs> no, the other Alba, played oh, by, what is her name? Maria Conchita, Conchita. Alonso. Mm-hmm. And evidently, one of their clients, Frank Heatherton, wants a copy of his first contract for his first short story, Rattlesnake Hills, that he sold in 1963. All he wants it for, by the way, is just to frame it. Wouldn't you? Sure. But Peter Lowe, Nick Cage's character, is like so egotistical. He makes this like the, the main priority for Alva. Mm-hmm. There's a moment that she notices he doesn't have socks on, which begs the question, did he stay at the office? Did he stay at Jackie's place? I think he stayed at Jackie's place. Still wore the same outfit from last night. Okay. Because if that's the case, then that kind of implies more of like a, that he likes Jackie a little more than just a one night stand. Maybe, or the bat. Hmm. You are forgetting like right before that, they just fought off a bat with a shoe, shoe. And uh, they both grabbed their clothes so that really fast. True. So it wasn't like, oh, wait, where are my socks? Where is everything? Yeah. Now, in this moment, after he tells her to look for the files, because evidently he would do it himself, but apparently the, the what is it, the Spiegel file, whatever, is like one of the messiest files, mm-hmm. which is way before his time. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. And as she walks away, he checks her out. Mm-hmm. It's those little things that kind of add to it that had me thinking, is he into her? Not in a sexual way, but like, is he romantically into her? Oh, that's a good point. Because as he continues to torment her throughout the movie, it reminds me of grade school, where emotionally immature people would you pull bu- their per- proverbial pigtails. You, yeah, you bully them. Oh. Well, something to think about. Yeah, that's me pondering now. And to add on to this love immature guy, He's uh, staring out the window and he sees a couple embraced and kissing. They're in love. <laughs> They're so busy kissing and making out that like the the hot dog vendor is like trying to tap them to give them them their oh, drinks. Oh, the drinks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the drinks that they just ordered. Uh. There's a couple of other of these moments where he uh, recognizes people in love or hears people in love and mm-hmm. it sets them off. Did you notice that? Do you think it has something to do with like his childhood and not getting loved? I'd love to see young Peter Lowe. Yeah, because then why would he be going to a psychiatrist other than... Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's actually another good point. It's like he's aware enough that he has problems, and that's about the extent of his self-awareness, that he goes to see a psychiatrist, but doesn't put in the work. Mm-mm. Now, we're in his apartment, and he's checking out all the damage from uh, the bat flying around. Mm-hmm. And in these moments when he's alone, you don't have your cheesy, synthed 80s music. You have... What reminded me of like Nosferatu, silent films, music. And I think that without those musical stings or those musical scores, these scenes would be more empty, mm-hmm. less dramatic. Like they, I think they're intended to be dramatic because he is a dramatic person, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. And now we're back at the psychiatrist, Dr. Glazer's office. 
at this moment, he's not as engaged in talking with her as the first time. Mm-hmm. He actually tries to leave a little early and she calls him out on it. She basically points out like, is it an ego thing? Oh, I loved it when she when she called him out. Do you think she's a good psychiatrist? Mm, no way, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, like, tells her the whole bat story. I brought this mm-hmm. girl up to my place the other night. Really hot, you know. And we're on the bed. And suddenly this bat comes swooping down out of nowhere. A bat? Holy shit. But over-dramatizes it. But this this really happened. But the part... This part, I don't know if this really happened or I dreamt it later or what. I mean, I'm fighting this bat off all alone and I'll be damned if I didn't get really turned on. <laughs> but the way he says it, like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were aroused. I mean, I came down. I, you know, I was in Mortal Kombat with a fucking bat. Give me a break. It aroused him to fight off the bat. Why? That's a great question. That's the one I still don't have a personal answer to I, or opinion. If you guys have an opinion about why he was aroused fighting off the bat, let us know in the comment section. <laughs> Just let us know. And we're back at the literary office and Alva still can't find the file and he's mm-hmm. not happy with it. Nope. I'm sorry. I will say that her character is very close to how I would act if I would panic <laughs> in real life. Just very anxious, very like, uh... Yeah, I guess you would panic. And now... Cue cheesy ass eighties music. It's so terrible. The cheesiest. There's good eighties music, and this is not one of it. No, but it still had me dancing a little bit. When aren't you dancing? You're mm. like, wow, he's stabbing her in whatever movie we're watching where someone's mm. getting stabbed mm. to a beat. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, stab. Stab. Bloodspurt. Bloodspurt. <laughs> and he's getting ready for his night out. My question is, is it a weekday or is it a weekend? Because I, I can't pinpoint like the time that passes in this movie. I think he goes out daily to find women because he went with one of his coworkers and he was kind of like just there and they're talking about contracts and stuff. And Yeah, he, that's this night. Yeah. And then that's kind of like when he decides to be like, let me go see what I can do with my night. And that's where he meets Rachel. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Jessica Beals sitting there, mind her own business. And he charms her up, introduces himself, and she's into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was one thing where she didn't really make eye contact with him when they met. So, in my opinion, I think that he did introduce himself to her. I think that he did sit next to her and chat her up. But I don't think that he took her back to his place. Oh, why is that? Because of what happened next. Mm. Okay, okay. On YHST. Come back after this commercial break. Singing Coca Cabana. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, he takes her back to his place, or at least he thinks he takes her back to his place. Mm -hmm. And then they have yet another makeout session, but this time no nudity. A little goof. You can kind of see her nipple pasties. Mm -hmm. You can't edit that out and and post. No. No. I didn't notice it until you pointed that thing out. Well, I'm a guy. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And she bites him, and he's fighting her off, and then he's into it. He gives in. It looks like he gets bitten hard. You can get bit as hard as you want because I think this happened in his imagination. Yeah, that's and to, true. And to, to nail that in, the next morning, as he's getting ready for work, he cuts himself, mm-hmm. right? Puts a Band-Aid on. I think that scene is needed for him to cut himself shaving so that it's the reason why he puts a Band-Aid on. 
And then his mind tricks himself into thinking, I have a bandaid on because I have vampire bite wounds. Got it. Yeah. Mm. That makes so much sense. And he's happy and he's singing and he makes coffee and he's talking to what you think is Rachel, the vampire. Well, a glorious Sunday. How nice not to have to go into work. No comments on my coffee, please. If you don't like it, I'll send out. I do it all the time. And she's not there. He's talking to nobody. And his like hand shakes. Shaking from holding the coffee for too long. And then it cuts to the next scene. He has a mental break. That's his mental break. That's the start of the mental break, yeah. Having auditory and visual hallucinations ah, is okay. not a start of a, of a mental break? Mental break, mental break. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what is your standard? What's your bar standard? on mental break? What's your standard <laughs> on mental break? You know, I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. But now he is at an art gallery on a date mm-hmm. with Jackie, the first girl. Now, Jackie and Rachel look so similar. Like, they had the same hairstyle and the way that they're dressed and, like, their black cocktail dress. And I was, like, really confused because I couldn't figure out who was who. But it turns out that this is the real girl, Jackie. That It confused me a little bit just because there was kind of, like, a glimpse of it. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of shows, like, her a little bit more. And then I'm like, wait, I don't remember how... Yeah. Which how Jackie looked like and how Rachel. So it was very... I like that because it was very similar to his type. Oh, do you think he actually had a type? I think so. And do you think that if... Rachel is not real that he conjured her to look like Jackie. I think so. But she seems like she's into him. They're on a date and she's asking him what he thinks. And instead of answering, he says, Gotta take a piss. And then walks so out on rude. her. Yeah, this so is rude. this is pre-cell phone era. This is, you know, ghosting before ghosting was a thing. And it just walks out on her and leaves her hanging. And now we're back at the office. Still no file. Mm-mm. He's pissed off more. Where's that Heatherton file? We need the contract. And speaking of Heatherton, he call, Mr. Heatherton calls. And he calls Alva into the office. And he wants her to witness the, quote, song and dance that he has to do. Yeah, hi, Frank. How are you? Yeah, hello, Peter. I'm just fine. Thanks. Hey, listen, I won't hold you. I just wanted to say about that letter I sent, you know, requesting the copy of Rattlesnake Hill Sale to Der Spiegel. There is absolutely no rush on that. I know it's an old contract that's going to take some digging, and I'm sure you and your girls got better things to do, huh? (laughs) Anyway, look, I'm in the middle of moving, uh, so take your time. I'll give you a call when I'm all settled in, okay? Yeah, okay, Frank. Take care, old buddy. All right, bye-bye, Frank. Yeah, bye. Now, I already predicted that Peter Lowe was going to lie to Alva. Mm -hmm. Seems I didn't have to do a song and dance after all, Alva. As you could hear, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Mr. Heatherton is boiling mad. And he has implied that if he doesn't get that copy within the week, he will terminate his agreement with our agency and sign up with a more efficient one. And this line, oh, I'm a sucker for lines and the delivery. Am I getting through to you, Alva? <laughs> oh my God. I swear, I was what feeling the, the anxiety she was feeling. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, don't yell at me. I'm only a person. I don't think any other actor would have ever made that that acting choice to do that. No. And now we're with him at the diner. Mm-hmm. And at first I'm like, why are we at the diner? Was he going to meet somebody? No, it's, it's the pure intention of that scene is so that it shows him being a fucking loner. He gets ignored by the waiter mm-hmm. or whatever. 
And immediately after that, he overhears these two girls behind him talking about some romantic date that they were on. Oh, and how you propose. On and a I... carriage date. And sets them completely off. Yeah. And he just goes storming out. Mm-hmm. Acting choices, acting choices. When he it finally barges his way out of the diner, he like clutches onto the side of his neck where his vampire wound is mm-hmm. covered by the band-aid. And in the weirdest way, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> But, I have to get back home. <laughs> now, this movie, uh, it, I think it was paced okay. I mean, it's it's the 80s, right? But this this scene, there are some moments where it has like a slower pace where like if I were in the editing bay, I could have like shortened it just a little bit more. A little bit. So it didn't drag on and it didn't sit on some scenes. It, it did drag on um, just certain, like the in-between scenes or the um, the smaller scenes where uh, it kind of needs the, the plot to get keep going. Right. But it just... It's not short enough to just be like, mm. He stumbles his way to what I thought was his building. Was mm-hmm. it not his building where the mimes were doing some weird dance? Uh, no, that was not his building. The, I think he just stumbled his way somewhere. Because he needed, he needed a payphone. Mm-hmm. Again, pre-cell phone era. When you had to carry change. <laughs> and a little phone book with you. Yes. Oh, the little phone books. Yes. Did you have a little phone book? Yeah. Uh, back in grade school. I didn't get a cell phone until I was 15, 16. Oh, okay. Yeah, now kids are born with the cell phones. I sound old. Yeah. And the kids these days are just born yeah. with their cellular devices and iPads. Yeah. Did you have like your uh, home phone? and? Yeah, home phone, grandma's phone, uh, aunt and uncle. Just like the, the basics that About you would, yeah. yeah. Parents work number just in case. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but who does he call? He first calls his psychiatrist. She's not there. Is he aware that he's going through a mental break? I think so. I think that's why he first called. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just had to call somebody else to make sure that it's not that bad. Hmm. And then he immediately calls Jackie. Mm-hmm. And she's pissed. She doesn't want anything to do with him. But doesn't he want- tries to make it up mm-hmm. to her and doesn't come up with a good reason. I had a very good reason for doing what I did. I Look, you know I'm very fond of you. I didn't mean to hurt you. It was... There was some illness. Listen, I feel funny talking on the phone about this. Better be a hell of a good reason. That's me, can you? Tonight? All right. Nine o'clock. Great. Great. Okay. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Now, this is, again, one of those moments that I think that he is self-sabotaging. First walking out on her, mm-hmm. and then calling her up. Mm-hmm. And then what leads next is as he's getting ready, there's a knock on the door. He hears a knock on the door. I don't think there's actually a knock on the door. No. And he goes out and there's no one in the lobby. He's looking around everywhere. And again, these moments that he's alone, they have that silent film era Mm -hmm. music that sells it. These creepy moments, these eerie moments. Mm -hmm. And then we see Rachel. I keep getting their names confused. That's why I pause and she says she's a jealous mistress. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, I wouldn't mind a vampire mistress. <laughs> I do like how before Rachel appears, he's sitting in his chair like, I have to go meet Jackie. Kind of like having a little bit of a moment of just like panicking because he feels like she knows that he's going to go out to see Jackie and yeah. she's not approving of that. Again, self-sabotaging mm-hmm. and his panic attack. The way that he does a panic attack is so weird. The gasping for air and the walking back and forth. 
back then, how long did you have to wait? Like if you told somebody you're going to meet at nine o'clock, you know, pre-cell phone era, if you didn't have the number to the establishment where you could leave a message, how long would you wait? Mm. I mean, it would, it, you're too young to have to have dealt with that back then, but yeah. what would you say, like 30 minutes? I think 30 minutes, especially because you are living, living in New York. Yeah. So um, getting stuck either if you're taking a taxi in traffic or the subway, something going on. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I I think. It's more of an inconvenience to just like take off. Oh, they're five minutes late and then just take yeah. off. Like, yeah. You want to be think for like certain. like maybe 1530, depending on maybe where they live also. I mean, well, I mean, even like with LA traffic, you at least give yourself, what, 20, 30 minutes traffic, you know, mm-hmm. grace period. Back then, I think just like, just maybe like 30 minutes max. Okay. And she feels foolish for waiting. Oh, wouldn't you? I would. I, but she was like, li- like she wanted to cry. Yeah, she wrote a scribbled a note. Yeah, which she later puts on his mailbox, his building's mailbox. The fact that like, um, she even had the time to just go and put it on his mailbox. Mm-hmm. Like, I would not even give you like another. Like, why am I going to change? Like, well, when when you read later on what's revealed, what's on the the napkin that she wrote, which is "Stay the fuck out of my life." Yeah. You mean you were kind of into this guy? You gave him a second chance, and he wasted your time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, pre cell phone era. You just want to make sure that somebody gets a message. Yeah. And yet again, Rachel the vampire drinks his blood, and now we're at the office next morning, and Elva. Elva. Alva. 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 I'm right here. Alva. 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 I'm like, what an asshole. Sound like Alvin. Alvin. Do you think in in like today's era, at certain, when is the point where like the the Me Too movement comes into play? When cancel culture comes into play? If if your boss was like this. No, that's. Not yet, right? No, that's a red flag. So he, so she doesn't come because she doesn't want to fucking deal with him. So what does he do? He runs out and hops on the desk and points and shouts, "There you are!" and freaks her out completely. And she runs to the fucking women's bathroom because it's a safe zone with her purse, right? And there's this old lady in there, the coworker, and she's like, "What the hell is he doing in here? What the fuck is going on?" And then leaves. Yeah, like this is wrong. Something's going on. But then again, eighties. She gets cornered mm-hmm. and then and then oh, tells him I have a gun. If you hurt me, I'm gonna use it. And at that moment, he's apologetic. He's immediately apologetic. And I think, I think he in his mind, maybe he didn't know it, I think he concocted this whole idea of having her use the gun on him. Because I think that he's passively suicidal. Hmm. That makes sense. Going back to that old lady, by the way, yeah. Alva's back at her desk, and the old lady walks by, and she goes, are you all right? And Alva doesn't say anything. She kind of does a little nod or shrug, uh, okay. and the lady goes, okay, and then just fucks off. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that was even necessary, to be honest. A little checking up on her. And now we're in, in a meeting room with all the men, all the bosses in the office, and pompous, ego, dickish, unaware. Toxic masculinity. Bigots. Yes. These assholes are laughing about the the incident, the Peter Lo- yeah. Peter's incident. <laughs> the chase was my favorite part. <laughs> well, you weren't there for the grand finale. Hey, she asked me for a raise. Can you believe it? Well, I think she deserves it, Sydney. You can take it out of Attila's paycheck. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> One question, Peter. Is my name written anywhere on the bathroom wall? And uh, 
What did it say? <laughs> you get that sick fucking laugh that Peter has. Then the next scene is you, you see him going home and reads a note that Jackie left. Mm-hmm. And even though he did this to himself, he goes into a full two-year-old fucking tantrum with weird acting choices of like red face and, you know, turtlenecked and everything. Breaking everything that he can. Don't know why. The fun fact, that scene was actually supposed to be shot with two cameras, but only one or two of them was working. Mm. And the glass that he was breaking, the mirrors, was real glass. And so, like, the safety director was like, yeah, that wasn't a really safe thing to do. But I think because Uh, of it being low budget in, like, the 80s, they're like, well, fuck it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they only had $2 million. But as this is happening, it's cutting in between Alva's on the subway, making her way home. and, And I love the cut in between because it's showing you how nutty he's becoming and how good of a person she is. Mm-hmm. She uh, gives money to a guy on the, on the subway. She has a, a, a cross, a crucifix uh, necklace. Wait, a crucifix is when Jesus is on it. And a cross is just the cross. Yeah. Learn something new. And he says, What is happening to me? And then you get a glimpse of Rachel's face. Remember that? The cut in? Yeah. 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 And now we're back at the psychiatrist's office. Mm-hmm. I think they meet every Tuesdays, by the way. I think every, that's the only thing. Every Tuesday at two? Yeah. I think that's the only thing that you can help you determine the the time passing in this movie. The weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And he downplays his incident, his outburst. He doesn't even mention it. He just Mm -hmm. says he had a difficult day. Once again, not taking any responsibility for his actions. I think the psychiatrist is one of the few people whose words he trusts. So. I would hope so. Right? But there in that moment. When he's talking about his outburst and the whole misfiling thing, and he's, mm-hmm. he's explaining it to her, she is inadvertently and unknowingly validating his wrong view of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then she pauses and kind of realizes what she did and tells him, well, maybe it could have been misfiled. And it sets him off. What do you mean misfiled? Nobody misfiles anything. You put it in alphabetical order. <laughs> An acting choice only Nicolas Cage could do. What better way to illustrate how much of a fucking crazy, egotistical, eccentric asshole this guy is mm-hmm. by, by prattling off the, right the whole alphabet. According to alphabetical order, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q-R-S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z's! Huh? That's all you have to do! She even tells him, very good. You know your alphabet. So she yeah. doesn't like let him off the hook with that yeah. shit. I never misfiled anything. Not once, not one time. I'm sure that you didn't. But even though he, even though I think that he trusts her words, he still says, "Ha! You call yourself a psychiatrist." And now, and now, and only now, he's having problems with the sunlight. Cut to, he's at the office with these ridiculous sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. And he's like in an area of the office that I don't think his character would have any business being in, which is next to Alva. Yeah. And he's snapping at her. Oh. I'd be so annoyed. So annoyed. He is so eccentric. He calls her into the office. She's so sweet because she's yet to blow up on him. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you would. I mean, if you need the job, you're not going to like, you know, stir the shit. I think also... Uh... 
she is kind of a minority. This is the 80s. Yeah, I think she's uh, Cuban. Cuban, yeah. Uh, she she kind of needs the job. Yeah. It may be hard for her to find something that may pay this well. True. And and you you find out later on, like, she's living with her mom. Mm-hmm. She's living with her parents, her family. Yeah. Which is, it's a Hispanic thing, but I'm, I'm always, I'm kind of curious how old this character is. But nonetheless, her mom is like, you got to keep this job. You think it's all hard? We're not giving you money. Tough. Yeah. So I, I think that has to do a lot with um, with why she kind of isn't quitting. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of just dealing with all this crap. Because when you do look at the office, it's mostly like white people. The, the person that's next to her is... An older white lady. An older white lady. Then there was another one, um, maybe a couple of deaths down. She was like maybe around her age, but she was still white. But she does try to compromise. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we're in the office with him and her. He is apologetic. He tells her he's sincerely apologetic. And he meant it, is what he said. Mm-hmm. Blames it on mescaline. What the fuck is mescaline? Mescaline is a like a psychedelic. You can ingest it. I guess it could be a powder. Uh, I think you can even put it in water. How do you make it? I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Alva. What is it? What is it? No, what no, is? no. You have, we don't need that. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Don't panic. <laughs> yeah, don't yell at me. <laughs> I was just using you as a uh, cannon fodder. Yeah. And like I said, she's very sweet and is trying to compromise and says, oh, yeah, mescaline. <laughs> I, I know that. I tried it in high school. And so they have like an understanding mm-hmm. and she thinks that they're all good. She's trying to find a middle ground mm-hmm. and asks for help because it's such a big file. And he loses it. Try, yeah. And he slowly loses it and goes into this rant. That has become a meme. Oh, God. His hands on the desk, his shoulders hunched up, his eyes completely wide in a psychotic way. A little way. bit of a tilt. Did I mention his unibrow? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, can we fix the unibrow, no, please? Thank you. And torments her. There is no one else in this entire office that I could possibly ask to share such a horrible job. You're the lowest on the totem pole here, Alva. The lowest. Do you realize that? Every other secretary who's been here has been here longer than you, Alva. Every one. And even if there was someone here who was here just one day longer than you, I still wouldn't ask that person to partake in such a miserable job as long as you were around. That's right, Alva. It's a horrible, horrible job. Sifting through old contract after old contract. I couldn't think of a more horrible job if I wanted to. And you have to do it. You have to, or I'll fire you. Do you understand? Do you? What a dick. And so she leaves. Mm-hmm. But did you catch this? Because on the second watch, and I had the subtitles on, as she leaves, he quietly says to himself, don't you want to use your gun, Elva? Oh. Nailing in that he's suicidal. Okay. When you watch it in that scope, it becomes even sadder to watch his degradation. Hmm. And now he's walking home with his groceries and this fucking dramatic scene. <laughs> like, ah! Man. <laughs> uh. The neon cross. Oh my God. Now there's not like a lot of creative shots or that are impressive in this film, but that one was creative enough. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it pans up and it's the, the neon cross. Cue the the dramatic musical score and his like complete dramatic co- ah. drama queen dropping to the ground. 
go. And everyone's like genuinely like, hey, dude, are you okay? Like, I can, I can help yeah. you out. And he just runs off. Leaves his groceries behind. <laughs> the guy's like, you left your food. I would not leave groceries behind nowadays. They're too expensive. And now Rachel feeds on him yet again. But this time, he's like in full ecstasy, cross-eyed, mm-hmm. slack-jawed. Just enjoying it. And at first, when I was like, maybe the, the vampire is real, she's asking him to tell her that he loves her. And I was like, what a needy fucking vampire. And she will not stop. But of course, if like the figment of your imagination is this thing that needs you and wants you to need it because you suck, you're a garbage person who mm-hmm. can't find love. That the only thing that you can say that you love is an imaginary vampire mm-hmm. lady. And post-coital and post-feeding, they're watching Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Nosferatu? Yes. Are you excited for the new Nosferatu coming yes. up? Yes. Oh, man. They, they've been so showing excited. some excited. I stills. I have um, anytime I see something that may be related to that, I just swipe, swipe or get out of the app or. Nope, I want to see it. Show it to me. Mm-mm. Remember, I do media blackout. The next morning, he's happy, and he's singing again, and he's talking to someone that's not there. Huh? What's that? You wanna join me? Well, absolutely not. But come on now, don't do that. I have to do the work. Stop it now, come on! (laughs) (laughs) But before he leaves to work, he's like looking in the mirror and he's making that, he's making the Nosferatu face. Oh, that's right. And then goes to the kitchen and eats a cockroach. May I say that that was a real cockroach that he ate? That he, it took three takes and it was his idea. Mm Mm-hmm. I know my bugs. I work in pest control. And that is disgusting. And when there was no edit from him clamoring to catch the cockroach, bringing it up to his mouth and eating it, I was beside myself. No, thank you. I lost my shit. I I don't want it. Uh, They did say that uh, all the animal rights activists were really pissed about that. About a cockroach? Yeah. Okay. But what he told those animal rights activists to defend himself? What? Is he asked them, could they honestly declare that they never use a can of Raid in their home? Oof. <laughs> Oof. Mike, drop. By the way, the, the, the eating of the cockroach is sort of like paying homage to Dracula's servant, mm-hmm. Renfield, who eats bugs. Which we come full circle later on in 2023's Renfield. Where Nicolas Cage plays a fantastic Dracula. Yes. Watch that movie, Renfield. Oh my God. It Nick Cage. Is so good. And Nicholas Holt. Yes. Who Nicholas Holt is going to be in? Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Fucking full circle. Oh my God. Chills, Alva. Chills. <laughs> now we're back at the office and Alva called out sick. Because why the fuck wouldn't you when you have a crazy psychopath for a boss who's obsessing about one fucking file? Can we talk about how the mom is, is just... A typical Hispanic mom? Yeah, just like, get out of bed, you gotta go to work, you can't be lazy. And I'm just like, she kind of needs the mental health yeah. day. Well, I don't like my boss either. That's that's that generation too. And and then we haven't completely phased out of that type of generation mm-hmm. where it's it's work or nothing. At risk of being called a snowflake, I care a lot more about like my own personal mental health mm-hmm. and work-life balance. Yeah. One mental health day is not going to hurt. Yeah, one day. Just one day. It's not going to hurt. It's now built into like a lot of... Uh, jobs 
Where if yeah. you need a if you need a, a menti H day, take the day. Europe does that a lot. She can't escape this fucking psychopath. Mm-mm. He looks up her address and takes a taxi to her place. Mm-hmm. $25. And rubs that in her face. Oh, later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I spent $50. She's buying her own business, ironing her shirt in her bra, and he's tapping on the window. What a fucking creep. That's a freaking creep. He's already a stalker because he went to go get her after was told, oh, she's sick. And good for her. She threatens to call the police. Yeah. But he's like, police! Alva, I'm here to call a truce, man. Look, I just took a $20 taxi ride all the way up here so I could tell you I think it was wrong the way I treated you yesterday. Now, is that an elaborate gesture or what? Plus, look, soup. What a dick. But she's a good person, so she can't fully lie. So she admits that she wasn't sick. He says it's okay Mm because he's a manipulative son of a bitch. Hey, Alva, the way I feel is the hell with Frank Heatherton, you know? If he wants to go to another agency, fine. So what do you say? Do you want to come to work? Door-to-door service, madame. On me. Truce? She's like, okay, fine. I feel good about it. I guess... Okay. I guess he came around. Truce. And then on the drive, he changes his tune. Mm-hmm. And her face drops. And he says, the work doesn't just go away. And then it's the first time you see him, like, wretch. Yeah. Why do you think he wretches? The cockroach is finally coming back up. <laughs> I think so. I would hate to take a fucking cab ride with that guy. Mm-mm. But she's smart enough to trick him and has a taxi stop at her brother's uh, mechanic shop. Mm-hmm. Where she tries to convince her brother, Emilio, don't do it. Emilio! <laughs> God damn it. You told me not to do it. She convinces him to give her bullets for the gun that he gave her mm-hmm. because apparently she had none in it. Because if you, if you guys don't know, New York is very strict on their gun laws. It's extremely illegal to have any type of gun, mm-hmm. legally or illegally. You can barely even fly in with them. Yeah. And this is like the second or third episode that we've done where we kind of talk about guns a little bit because we're gun savvy. And the brother tells her, Look, look, you don't need bullets. You just wave it around and it'll scare anybody off, which is partly true, except for the moments where you fucking actually need it. Mm-hmm. So it's stupid to not have bullets in your gun. And by the way, if you're going to pull a gun, you intend to use it. It's not just a scare tactic. Yeah. So he admits that the person that he got the gun from doesn't use bullets either. He actually uses blanks. Mm-hmm. So he says, I don't even have bullets, and then gives her blanks. And that is what we call a plant, and it comes into play later on. Very soon. Later on. <laughs> By the way, as she's in the mechanic shop, Peter's talking to the cabbie. Mm-hmm. And the cabbie is a sweet old man and who's proud about his 15-year marriage. And yet again. So proud. It's another thing that sets Peter off. He doesn't immediately get set off, but it just, it He's, digs into him. Yeah. Actually, it does kind of set him off in a, when they get back to the office. Yeah. Because he has to pay another twenty four fifty, And he's like, you're cleaning me out. And he throws the money at him. Poor guy's like, well, whatever. <laughs> he's too off. happy. He's like, I got paid. It's fine. <laughs> But he doesn't let that go Mm-mm. and tells Elva to her ear. He grabs her shoulder. Hashtag me too. Grabs her shoulder and whispers in her ear. I just shelled out almost 50 bucks to get you back here, Elva. You better hope you make it worth it to me. And now she's she's like, crap, I should have just... Stood home. Stood home, called the cops. This scene is so weird because, of course, how he delivers it, where he's 
washing his hands in the bathroom and looks up and you only, you only see the side so you don't get to see him in the mirror mm-hmm. and he says oh christ oh christ where, where am i where am i it's, it's... and you think oh my god did he fully turn into a vampire but then he takes a step back in front of the full-length mirror And you see his reflection Mm -hmm. and it confirms that it's completely all in his head. Oh, yeah. He's completely fucking lost it. So he spirals, hides in his office. And in that moment, his savior, Rachel, comes in. It sort of implies that she flew in through the open window, but, you know, and feeds on him once again. But now we're with Alva and she finally fucking finds the file. She finds the contract. Yeah. I would be way more excited than she was because we didn't say before but she had a she he made her stay late to like one in the morning that hr yeah i mean some good ot i mean Mm -hmm. it sounds like he paid for her for it would you alva have been more excited than alva i would be ecstatic i'd be like can i go home now back to my sick day and you hear him muttering i never found the right woman it's it's again one of those little lines that are like quickly thrown in there and you think that he's talking to Rachel, but mm-hmm. he's not. He's actually talking to the Im- now imaginary, uh, the cabbie and his wife. I never found the right woman, that's all. I just, I never found the right woman. This work and this love. I'm right. But they're like sitting in this whole different scene. So it makes it even more imaginary. He opens the door to Alva and she's excited that she found the, the contract. Well, it's just too late, Alva. And this this scene, did you notice it was like underlit? Because mm-hmm. it's like this is the this is the this, bit. the scene. Yeah, this is the, the the crescendo of it all. Why is it too late? It's too late, Alva. It's not too late. Too late. Too late. Huh? It's not too late. She screams and she runs and there's no music Mm-mm. because now she's with him and he's chasing her throughout the entire building all the way downstairs. A good the basement. Yeah, a good workout on the steps. Oh yeah. Down to the basement. Corners her. She pulls the gun. Do it. I will. Do it, Alva. Do it. I swear to God, I will. Alva, do it or I'll fire you. Do you understand unemployment? Can you live with that? Do it, God damn it! Don't rape me. Rape you? I will. Come on, Alva. Shoot. Not the floor, Alva. Me! Backhands her, rips her shirt open. Gun goes flying. She passes out. I think he knocked her out. If he wasn't in a full mental break before, this is now the full mental break. Mm-hmm. Because in place of Alva is Rachel the vampire, who's telling him that you're now you're now like me. But he doesn't really want to be a vampire. Mm-mm. He doesn't really want to be in that situation that he's no. in because he's disconnected. And he grabs a gun and he puts it to his mouth and he pulls the trigger 
twice, but it's blanks. And he doesn't know that until he pulls the trigger. In real life, if you pull the trigger on a gun that has blanks as a barrel is in your mouth, you will still sustain a lot of damage. So don't do that. <laughs> Please don't. Do- refrain. <laughs> Seek help. But what this does, it makes him believe even further that he's a vampire. I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but Nicolas Cage used this role to challenge himself. That's why he makes those over-the-top acting decisions, just like this one. Really? Where he's, quote-unquote, crying and challenged himself to say the words, boo-hoo, as he's crying. Another memeable scene, he's running through the city yelling, I'm a vampire! 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 Goes back to his apartment and makes a makeshift coffin out of a couch, an upturned couch. He imagines Rachel's there. She kisses him goodnight. Gets the approval. It's a good coffin. Now we're back with Elva. Her mom's quote-unquote checking in on her. Kind of, kind of not. No. Kind of just telling her breakfast is ready. Yeah, banging on the door and yelling yeah. at her. But her brother is is the hero of the whole movie and is a sweet guy mm-hmm. and is sincerely checking on he her. He realizes like, mm, something did happen. She came to my work kind of... Distraught. Yeah. And she doesn't want to confess what happened until later when she feels a little bit more comfortable, but she's completely out of it. This whole sequence where Peter is in full quote-unquote vampire mode, he's in his, his apartment, and he's like practicing biting on a, on a pillow, so I think he wants to go hunt, and he, does, he realizes he doesn't have teeth yet, and so, <laughs> well, if you don't have teeth, well, you, you go get some teeth, and goes down to like a Wiccan shop. Oh, yeah. And because the taxi cab driver cleaned him, quote-unquote, cleaned him out of all his cash, he doesn't have enough money to buy the good fiberglass teeth, and the guy's like, well, I got some cheapy plastic Halloween teeth. You want them? He says, yeah. Takes them. 350. Runs like a squirrel with a nut on a bench and like dramatically rips it open. Cue the music again. And, and is so happy and elated when he finally pops those plastic teeth in. It's like he's one of them. If you're not laughing at this scene, what's wrong with you? It's so silly. It's so stupid. And it's meant to be. But instead of going out and feeding that mm-hmm. little consciousness of self-awareness in his brain allows him to call his psychiatrist yes and he goes to payphone and she actually picks up this time but she has a lover it's always a but and i think that he hears the lover in the background and i think that allows him to get set off even more oh yeah it's the catalyst of the rest of the night's events Mm mm-hmm because he, he wants an appointment. He wants to be seen, but sooner instead of the Tuesday appointment. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm open all Tuesday morning. How's that? Sooner. Okay, look, I could squeeze you in on Monday afternoon. Can you make that? Oh, sooner. With his teeth. <laughs> you, ever, you ever had those as a kid, those teeth? Um, it's impossible to talk with without slobbering all over the place. Yeah, uh, me and Faith had, had some of those teeth. But I think because he got set off even more. He goes running around hunting a pigeon. Fun fact, he actually did catch a pigeon. The way he's hunting this pigeon, he's just like, eh. But this pigeon was drugged so that he can actually catch it. (laughs) And then we cut to a slow pan 
of all the feathers because, yes, yes, he fucking ate the bird. Mm-hmm. No real birds were harmed in the making of this film. Just one cockroach. But he's a, he's a responsible vampire, so he mm-hmm. sets his alarm because he now has a sooner appointment, I think Monday, 7 o'clock, with Dr. Glazer. Yeah. And he goes and he sets his alarm and he goes underneath his makeshift coffin, which is now held uh, with a stack of books. Mm-hmm. And did you pay attention to that little little dash of added sound of like a creakiness when he drops it back down <laughs> to mimic a coffin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good sound effect. You. Am I doing the sound effect? No, no, no. Oh. I was complimenting <laughs> oh, you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I can't tell how, how many day, days pass. I thought it was going to be like the next morning because I think it's like on the weekend or something. Yeah, that's when he goes to the club the next day. There's a whole cityscape sequence with the sun's rising and then the sun's setting. Yeah. And then he awakens and goes out for his first night's hunt. Again, with the coughing going. I don't do good sounds. Go ahead. <laughs> ah, two for three. You got to put it back down. You got to close it. Now, not only is he in full vampire, he's in full specific Nosferatu vampire mode mm-hmm. with his shoulders up and his arm outstretched and his fingers outstretched and the the wide-eyed look. And I'm sure you've seen that clip here and there with his teeth in and he's stalking around New York City, going to one of his club, a goth club, actually. Yes. And punches his way into that club. Um, and nobody stops him. Nope. Nobody stops him. Do you know why? Why? Because a plot needed it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and he happens on this lonely girl in the VIP section, I'm assuming. Yeah. Why she's by herself, I don't know, just doing bumps of coke. Mm-hmm. But again, like when he used to first get some girls, it's always the ones that are inebriated. And she's into it. He's like, he's not saying anything and he has that face and he's clanking his teeth and she's like, oh, ha, 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 and make, she's making the face back and she's clanking her teeth back and then he slips his hand down her blouse. And, and she, that's, a no no. That's a no no. No matter how inebriated she was, she goes no. I think at that moment, that's when he full on goes into like attack mode in a way. Yeah, yeah, and, and bites her and kills her. Mm-hmm. But his plastic teeth—they weren't good enough, so he had to take him out and actually bite her. Blood to death. Got her vein. I think the scene needed more blood. A little bit more, but it's fine. <laughs> I thought like, oh, maybe did, did she pass out? But uh, later on, there's a news article, a newspaper that has a headline: "Disco Death." And it's like the only confirmed kill. Mm-hmm. But as he's stumbling out of the club, he like retches because I, I think those moments that he retches, it's it's his subconscious trying to fight all the bad things that he's doing. That's my personal opinion. I think it's the anxiety as well. Hmm. I've got like really bad anxiety where like you just feel like very nauseous and you're just like, Ooh. or or hear me out. Is it the cockroach plus the bur- the pigeon plus uh, the this- human blood? I drank the jug blood. <laughs> I drank the drug blood. <laughs> I drank the drug blood. I drank the blood of a guy who was on drugs and now I'm on drugs. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> if you haven't seen what we do in the shadows, fuck. Uh. <laughs> but when he's stumbling around, he imagines Rachel, but now Rachel has a boyfriend, fucking Donald. Mm. A douchey dick. Donald. And she rejects him. His own imaginary friend fucking rejects him. Do you know how bad that is? Has that, to be super bad. That's like going to, you know, J or D and your hand falls asleep. <laughs> that's Isaac for the you. The stare that you're giving. I knew it was going somewhere. I just didn't know <laughs> how far it was going. Uh, as he's getting kicked out, mm-hmm. he finds, quote unquote, Rachel and Donald in the crowd. But they don't know him. Was the real Rachel actually there? 
I think so, personally. I think it was the real Rachel. And I think that the first night that they met might have been her, but she might have been with Donald. So when okay. she he introduced himself to her, he goes, oh, okay, hi. And she's just being polite because she's really, again, she's not really giving him the eye contact. She uh, When he goes and sits next to her, she's kind of like, um, you know, kind of shifts a little bit. Okay. Kind of like, so I feel like he really liked Rachel. Uh -huh. He wanted to go home with Rachel. But Rachel might have said no. And that's when Rachel was now the imaginary friend. Uh-huh. And when Rachel in the in the present says, oh, yeah, no, hi. You know, it's kind of like. I remember you from all those nights ago. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you remember that guy? But but now because your boyfriend Donald is here, you kind of have yeah. to like make sure that like, hey, yeah. I don't know this guy. I don't know. Like, I don't know you. And as he's stumbling out of the bar, the whole crowd of people waiting out front are like laughing at him and making fun of him. Mm -hmm. And he's confessing, by the way, again, that he's a vampire. And he goes up to a guy who looks like Kiefer Sutherland from the Lost Boys and asks him, I can prove it! You got a gun! You got a gun! Fuck off me! No! No! Please! Better get back in your coffin, buddy! Sun's almost up! And now the sun's coming up and he's coming around the corner. And you catch a whisper of him saying, You're just a fucking high school cunt. And I don't believe I ever really loved her, you know. It's just... No! Dramatic musical sting when the sun hits his face. Oh my god. This is the end! I can't take it anymore! Again, that added layer of it's all about the whole love thing and mm -hmm. lack thereof. Then he's frantically running around. I don't know if he is trying to find shelter because the sun's there or if he's trying to do the whole wooden plank thing. Did you know that uh, all the, the people running around reacted to him were real people? No way. Yeah. So the way that they shot this was through a long lens, mm -hmm. right? So the camera could be elsewhere, a la like a, you know, hidden prank show, hidden okay. camera prank show. And he's just doing his Nick Cage thing and telling people to kill me after he pulled a plank off of a, a pellet, a wooden yeah. pellet. And he's telling actual random strangers, I'm a vampire. <laughs> so it's kind of like punked? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or like uh, Johnny Knoxville's uh, Bad Grandpa. Oh, okay, yeah. That makes more sense. And at the complete peak of his mental health, emotional down spiral, mm -hmm. who does he bump into? Oh, he bumps into the corner. Also known as Dr. Glazier, because <laughs> now his mind is imagining him all well-kept and everything at Glazier's office. But it's cutting back and forth. From the corner, and he just seems like a... I love this, because he's, he's like... He's like on a bad trip. It's a, <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like. Do you think Nick Cage knows what a bad trip is like? <laughs> we don't know. I gotta ask him. And I love it, because you you hear both sides of him like being uh, completely all in the head quote-unquote, as mm -hmm. you talk to an imaginary Dr. Glazier in the imaginary office. But at the same time, you, you hear other sides of that conversation where he's like, So I forgot, where did we leave off? Well, Peter, you wanted very much to make an earlier appointment, so what's up? Well, I've been thinking about my depressions very seriously, and frankly, I just don't think you can help me. I think your profession is entirely bogus. Entirely. From my point of view, that is. You really think so? Yes, I do. I'm spending a lot of money here. And I just think 
It's time for a change. Because he's going to finally pursue love. It was the missing piece in his life, and that was what's wrong with it the whole time. An imaginary Dr. Glazier says, if, if you had told me, if you had just told the good doctor, the money the both of you could have saved. Both of us? You and Sharon. Sharon? Yes. I should have matched you two guys up a long time ago. Yeah, I think she's here now. Sharon. It's incredible. It's really incredible. I like poetry, horseback riding, Vivaldi, and long weekends in the country. Those are exactly the same things that I like. And then oh, yeah. They, they finish each other's... Sandwiches? Well, it's sentences. Why would it be sandwiches? Fuck. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and they cut to crazy Nick Cage on the corner street, street corner. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is my favorite part of the movie. And the whole time he's holding this wooden plank and people are walking around. And they're just like walking around him. And because he can't take responsibility for all the bad things he does in the imaginary psychiatry office, as he's leaving with his imaginary Sharon, he tells Glazer, Well, I did rape someone a couple nights ago. Girl at the office, I just lost control. Because he can't fucking own what he did. Mm-hmm. So he needs the person who he validates the most, or he doesn't fully admit it, Glazer. And she's like, It's just a little id release. No use to worry. Get off my mind. Oh, yeah. Also, I, uh... Just spit it out, Peter. Well, the fact is I did murder someone last night. I turned into a vampire. It's a long story. Peter, 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 people get murdered every day in this city. Do you think the world is going to stop? Yeah, I guess, but the police and everything, what if they find me? Would you stop worrying and just get on with your big romance? Then at this point, they go back to the apartment (laughs) with a fake girlfriend. Where, at this point, Alva had convinced her brother to go hunt this guy down. So now she's with him. They're they're there parked in front of the house. What a good brother. He's willing to take a tire iron and beat the shit out of this guy. This is one of my last favorite moments with Cage. You get his side of the conversation where he's like, I don't want to talk about being a vampire. I'm past it. She never told you I became a vampire. Yeah, it's all behind me. And he turns around and goes, Sharon. God damn it! What did I just say? <laughs> and, and this is one of the, uh, my second favorite sequence of Cage just having this argument with himself in his room. It's the last greatness of this movie. Because there's no way in hell that I would ever, ever marry a loudmouth pig. Like you. Next, you're 10 minutes up with you, and the shit just starts right up. And Emilio breaks in and finds Cage under his couch, his makeshift coffin. Mm-hmm. And Peter, Nick Cage, again, is suicidal. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fight Emilio off. No. What does he do? He gets that wooden plank, and he puts it to his own chest. And Emilio takes that opportunity. To just push it push in. Push it. Push it real good. do 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 Get up. Get up, Can I have another co-host? <laughs> ah! 
Peter died thinking he was a vampire. Mm-hmm. Good for him. <laughs> he identified as a vampire. Would, would that be considered assisted suicide, by the way? Uh, no, that would be called... Murder? Murder. Yeah. But there you go. We finally got around to seeing vampires kiss. That's a fucking roller coaster of a movie. It was. That is a ride. Oh my god. Oh my. Watch it, people. Check it out. Like you should, you should. After you're done listening to this, and after you're done commenting on our on our page and stuff like that, interacting, of course, you should check this out. And immediately after watching it, please let us know what you thought about this movie. I want to. I want this to be a movie that we we rewatch. Okay, I could add it on the list. <laughs> Twist your arm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be put on that as just one of those like, eh, I'll get to it. So what were your thoughts on this movie? A damn roller coaster, I could tell you that for yeah. sure. Um I enjoyed it. No, 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 it was fun. It was it was a good movie. Um I did sense a lot of Alva's uh anxieties, like work anxieties yeah. when she was being told to you gotta find the paper, you can't leave, and just like, oh my god, I have to find this. Um but other than that, it was a pretty good movie. It had its its couple laughs in there. You ever had? Did it resonate with you having a, a egotistical, eccentric asshole boss like that? You know what? Um, Name names. I'm kidding. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Huh. I have some bosses that were like maybe not that crazy, but they fucking sucked. I know. I th- I, I know. I had some crappy bosses, but mm. not that. I think I've, it's been such a long time that I don't really care. Did you also have any uh, old lady coworkers that sort of checked in on you but really didn't give a shit? No. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I wish I my work was a, a family environment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So we're coming to a close. Okay. Let's play that game. All right. The Rotten Tomatoes game. I want to get your take on what you give this personally. Now, if nobody's familiar... Rotten Tomatoes scores from zero to 160 uh, being fresh. I think in the past episodes, I accidentally said 70%. It's actually 60%. So what do you give this? Personal score? Mm-hmm. I give it a 58. Okay. And what do you think the critics scored and what do you think the audience scored? I think it's going to be critics 62 mm-hmm. and maybe audience 67. Ooh, you were so close on the first one. Oh, okay. Critic score is a 65%. Ooh. Audience score is a 54%. Oh. The audience didn't like it as much as the critics do. And I can see that. I can see like a general audience thinking like, this is a really over the top movie. Mm-hmm. What the fuck am I watching? Um, Yeah, I, I can see that. I also gave it the score that I gave it. Um, Just because some parts I just felt that I kind of lost focus on the movie okay it was like easily i could get distracted and i'd be like oh, okay cool uh other than that yeah it was, it was pretty good it had had its moments and stuff like that yeah i uh <laughs> oh man i love the full commitment of nick cage in this role there's never not a moment where i'm like i don't like it mm-hmm. what the hell am i watching no one else could have been in that role now i know we do this often and i won't go down the list but there were I don't know if it's more rumored, but there were a couple of of big name actors that were sort of eyeballed for this role. One of them being Robert De Niro, one of them being Sylvester Stallone. Mm. And I just can't imagine any of those in this role. I don't know if there's any weight to that or truth to it. I I doubt it. I don't think they would be perfect for this role. No, not at all. 
I think it would have been even more of a flop. It would have been, ooh, that's a good. I, I think if they got. um, I actually disagree. I think it would have been uh, less of a flop. Less of a flop? Less of a flop. I think it would have made at least $800,000 instead of more. the $725,731 it made and some 25 cents. <laughs> It would have been it would have been a different movie, uh, needless to say. Yeah. But uh, would you suggest people watch this movie? I already I already gave my opinion on that at the top of the yeah. Second. Give it give it a give it a try. Yeah. A try. If it's fine, if you don't like it, you can click it oh, off. No, 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 no. Please watch all the way through because okay. there's these little bits in there, and, and try to watch it from a little bit of an analytical, not a, a, a deeply analytical standpoint. I, I just just watch. But oh, on, just, on a, like analyze his mental health just, and like the little things that he says. Put the captions on. Just openly watch it. Just openly yeah. have an open mind. Yeah, it, it's it. it's a dated movie, so there's that. But check it out for sure. And you can find it on Amazon. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, it is streaming free mm-hmm. on Amazon. <sighs> we did it. We watched Vampire's Kiss. Are you ready to wrap the show up? I am ready. All right, guys. Man, that is a fun freaking movie. Thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for the shares, the likes, the comments, the interactions. The follows. Uh, the follows. Uh, find us on Instagram at Forehead Films. F-O-R-E-H-E-D Films. On Instagram. Uh, I've yet to create a TikTok for it, but whatever. Um, on there, we have our movie reviews, where I think we recently did... Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time of this recording, Thanksgiving was uh, last week. Oh, my God. We didn't even well, get talk about like the excitement of the end of the, the F1 GP. Oh, my God. Oh, it's okay. So good. So, guys, tune in next time. Uh, we might keep these things weekly. I've been a little bit bogged down with work and some other stuff. We might do it every other week. I'll keep you posted. Stay posted on our Instagram where we'll let you know the progress of all that. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, let us know what you thought about this movie and let us know the movies on your list that have people asking you the question. You You haven't haven't seen seen that? that? Later, guys. Bye.